Converting airports into billion-dollar cash opportunities for U.S. cities. The COVID-19 pandemic has put new fiscal stress on some state and local governments. One tool that may help them cope is called asset monetization, sometimes referred to as infrastructure asset recycling. As practiced by Australia and a handful of U.S. jurisdictions, the concept is for a government to sell or lease revenue-producing assets, unlocking their asset values to be used for other high-priority public purposes. Based on data from previous airport sales and long-term leases around the world, a study shows that just in Hawaii's the two largest airports could be worth up to $3.6 billion combined via a long-term lease to private airport companies and investors, such as FRAPORTF for example. The study finds that in Hawaii alone Honolulu's Daniel K. Inoue International Airport could generate $2.7 billion and Kahului Airport on Maui could get $935 million through a long-term lease. However, the airports have over $2.5 billion in debt. After paying off the state's existing airport bonds, as required by federal law as part of any lease deal, the state's net proceeds from such a long-term lease of the two airports would total about $1.1 billion. Under U.S. federal airport regulations, governmental airport owners are not allowed to receive any of an airport's net revenue. All such revenues must be kept on the airport and used for airport purposes. Overseas, there are no such restrictions. Over the past 30 years, numerous governments have corporatized or privatized large and medium airports and received direct financial benefits from doing so. In 2018, as part of legislation reauthorizing the Federal Aviation Administration, Congress created an important exception to the longstanding restriction. The new Airport Investment Partnership Program AIPP, enables governmental airport owners to enter into long-term public-private partnership P3, leases, and use the net lease proceeds for general governmental purposes. This study explores the potential of airport public-private partnership leases for 31 large and medium hub airports owned by the city, county, and state governments. It draws on data from dozens of overseas airport public-private partnership lease transactions in recent years to estimate what each of the 31 airports might be worth to investors. The gross valuation is what the airport might be worth in the global marketplace. The net valuation takes into account a U.S. tax code provision that requires existing airport bonds to be paid off in the event of a change of control, such as a long-term lease. Hence, the net value estimate is the gross value minus the value of outstanding airport bonds. Since P3 leases of airports are uncommon in the United States, the only existing example is the San Juan, Puerto Rico airport. The study explains three categories of likely investors in U.S. airports. First is a growing universe of global airport companies, including the world's five largest airport groups, which operate a growing share of the world's largest airports by annual revenue. The second is numerous infrastructure investment funds, which have raised hundreds of billions of dollars to invest as equity in privatized and P3 leased infrastructure facilities worldwide. The third category is public pension funds, which are gradually expanding their investments in infrastructure in an effort to reverse declines in their overall rate of return on investments. All three types of investors have long time horizons and are comfortable investing in and further developing these kinds of assets. The lease of a major infrastructure asset such as an airport should be used to strengthen the jurisdiction's balance sheet, rather than using such a windfall for short-term operating budget needs. It explains and provides examples of three potential uses. 
Invest the proceeds in needed but unbudgeted infrastructure, use the proceeds to pay down existing jurisdictional debt, and or, use the proceeds to reduce the jurisdiction's unfunded pension system liabilities. On the latter point, the study compares the net airport P3 lease proceeds with each jurisdiction's unfunded pension system liabilities. It identifies several jurisdictions where the estimated net airport lease proceeds exceed total pension system liabilities, a number of others where the proceeds could significantly reduce those liabilities, somewhere the liabilities are so large that airport lease proceeds would have only a modest impact, and a handful where there would not likely be an airport lease unless investors valued those airports higher than the conservative numbers used in this study. The relative attractiveness of using lease proceeds for each of these purposes will likely depend on the specifics of the city, county, or state in question. A government with a pressing need for a major unfunded infrastructure facility may find that use the most attractive, while a jurisdiction where unfunded pension liabilities threaten either large tax increases or something akin to bankruptcy may prefer using an airport windfall to shore up its pension system. Across the United States, many airports are owned and operated as departments of city, county, or state governments. Airports are highly valuable business enterprises, linking cities to other cities across the country and, directly or indirectly, around the world. Airports serve passengers but also move a vast amount of high-value cargo. In many countries, governments have restructured airports as commercial real estate assets, enabling airports to attract investment capital on their own economic merit. These changes have enabled larger airports to generate net revenues for their government owners, in addition to the economic benefits they create for their state and metro area. But that is not the case in the United States. All commercial airports in this country receive Federal Airport Improvement Program grants. One condition of these grants is that all airport revenues must remain on the airport and be used only for airport purposes. Therefore, the governmental owner of a U.S. commercial airport cannot receive any direct financial benefit from that airport. In financial terms, the government owner's return on the airport's equity is zero. Actually, there are two little-known exceptions to the above restriction. When Congress first authorized AIP grants, it grandfathered a handful of airports that had a long history of diverting net airport revenues to their government owners. Of the 12 that were originally grandfathered, only nine airport sponsors including the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey are still covered by this exception. One on the other hand, all commercial airports were given a new option in 2018, when Congress enacted the most recent reauthorization of the Federal Aviation Administration FAA. A new section of that legislation, the Airport Investment Partnership Program AIPP, permits governmental airport owners to enter into long-term public-private partnership P3, leases of their airports. The net lease proceeds can be retained by the governmental airport owner and used for general governmental purposes. Many cities, county, and state governments are not familiar with this recent development. It is also unlikely that they know the market-based asset value of the airport or airports they own, and could potentially lease under the provisions of the new AIPP. Yet this concept has been used overseas for several decades, as countries have changed their governance models for large and medium commercial airports. Leasing revenue-producing assets, such as airports, and using the lease proceeds for other governmental purposes is sometimes known as asset monetization, or alternatively as infrastructure asset recycling. In many such cases the net present value of a long-term, e.g. 50 years, stream of lease payments is paid to the government up front. 
Wise policy calls for such sums to be used for balance sheet purposes, rather than for short-term budget balancing. Well-run governments invest a one-time windfall such as this in paying down outstanding debt, shoring up underfunded pension systems, or on large-scale, and otherwise unfunded, infrastructure. This report explores the potential of long-term P3 leasing of airports owned directly by city, county, and state governments in the United States. Subsequent sections discuss how airport governance has changed worldwide over the past three decades, the emergence of global airport companies, how airports and other revenue-producing infrastructure are valued by investors, what 31 large and medium U.S. airports might be worth, what kinds of entities are interested in bidding on airport P3 leases including the emerging role of public pension funds, and some further thoughts on wise use of the proceeds. In Hawaii for example, it includes modernizing existing infrastructure such as aging bridges and roads, funding new projects in its long-range transportation plans, or paying down existing debt. The repeated legislative efforts to shift control of Hawaiian airports to an airport authority are another consideration for the state. A long-term lease with the private sector, as described in the Reason study, would protect the state and the airports from such takeover threats for decades. Prior to 1987, nearly all the world's commercial airports were organized as departments of government, in many cases e.g., Canada and the UK, as departments of the national government. That changed dramatically in the UK in 1987 as part of the Thatcher government's wide-ranging privatization of state-owned enterprises. Utilities such as electricity, water, natural gas, and telephone systems were sold to investors, with shares traded on stock exchanges. The same process was applied to the British Airports Authority BAA, which owned and operated the three major London airports Heathrow, Gatwick, and Stansted and several Scottish airports. In 2009, to promote competition, the government required privatised BAA to sell off Gatwick, Stansted, and the Scottish airports, which are all now owned and operated by other investor-owned companies. In the decades since then, most other large European airports have also undergone changes in governance. A few others were sold outright, a la BAA, e.g. Brussels, Copenhagen, but more common has been the sale of part of the equity to investors with governments retaining the balance. This is the model used in France for aeroports de Paris and in Germany for airports including Frankfurt, Dusseldorf, Hamburg, and several others. A different model has emerged in Australia, Asia, other parts of Europe, and Latin America. Countries in these regions have embraced the long-term public-private partnership P3, lease, model. Australia applied this to nearly all its major airports around the turn of the century, offering 50-year leases with 49-year renewal options. Major countries in Latin America followed suit, with Argentina taking the lead, followed by Brazil, Chile, Colombia, Mexico, and Peru, among others. In Asia, the governments of India, Japan, Malaysia, and the Philippines are among those opting for the long-term P3 lease model. In 2018, Airports Council International, the Global Airports Trade Association, published a detailed study on private investment in airports. ACI's research found that in several regions more than half of all airline passengers were being served by airports with a majority private sector investment. The regional totals were as follows. Africa 11% Passengers Asia Pacific 47% Europe 75% Latin America, Caribbean 66% Middle East 18% North America 1%. The change to significant investor involvement in airport management and governance has led to more robust financing. 
The ACI report noted that the changed governance model has enabled large increases in airport capital improvements. These include new terminals at all three major London airports Gatwick, Heathrow, Stansted, Frankfurt, Lisbon, Paris, Lima, Santiago, Sydney, Melbourne, etc. Private capital has also been invested in runway additions at airports including Bogotá, Frankfurt, Vienna, and potentially London Heathrow, approved by Parliament but being opposed by local and environmental litigation. ACI also compared traditional and investor-financed airports during 2012-2016 and found that capital expenditure per workload unit was $4.76 at traditional airports versus $5.40 at investor-financed airports. This is noteworthy because it shows that private investors with a long time horizon are willing to continue investing in their airport's further development even after the initial capital outlay to lease the airport. Infrastructure investors consider many factors when they assess possible investments in revenue-producing infrastructure, whether this be railroads, pipelines, or electric and natural gas utilities. In the United States, most of those entities are already in the private sector and function fully as businesses. When investors consider a long-term P3 lease of a facility that is currently owned and operated by government, which they plan to make operate more as a business, they assess both its current operations and financial conditions, and also its potential for improvement as a commercial business. For this kind of infrastructure acquisition, a widely used metric for assessing current value is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization EBITDA. It provides a measure of near-term operational performance as measured by operational cash flow. Interest payments on existing debt are a significant factor in that cash flow, but government-owned enterprises such as U.S. airports are generally exempt from taxation. Depreciation and amortization are non-cash expenses. Acquirers of airports, seaports, toll roads, and other infrastructure use the facility's current financial statements to calculate its EBITDA. They develop valuation rules of thumb, based on recent transactions for the type of facility, of what multiple EBITDA investors that won competitions agreed to pay. Thus, if a decade's worth of seaport purchases or long-term P3 leases averaged 10 times each facility's EBITDA, written as 10x, then that would be a good way to estimate such a facility's acquisition price, and for long-term leases, the price would be about the same for a 50-year P3 lease and outright purchase. On the other hand, an actual offer to lease the airport would be based on a more detailed study of the specific airport and its potential under private management. In a recent Reason Foundation study on infrastructure asset recycling, data assembled from such transactions in the recent decade yielded the following average EBITDA multiples, 3. Airports 16x seaports 14x toll roads 26x parking facilities 22x water, wastewater 12x. Those numbers are averages across a set of transactions, with a range of values on either side of the average, depending on the specifics of the facility in question. It should also be noted that the short-term effects of the COVID-19 recession may reduce EBITDA multiples in the short term, despite airports being long-term investments. Selected U.S. airports and their estimated values. For this study, 31 large and medium hub airports, as defined by FAA based on their annual passenger volumes, were selected. Table 2 lists those airports and identifies the owner of each. 15 are large hubs and 16 are medium hubs. Ownership breaks down as follows. City government 19 county government 6 joint city, county 2 state government 4. Multiplying the EBITDA number by the relevant multiple yields a low and a high estimate of each airport's gross value.
Los Angeles International, LAX, for example, has an estimated gross value ranging from a low of $12.5 billion at 14x to a high of $17.8 billion at 20x. For much smaller John Wayne Airport SNA, the gross value estimates range from $861 million to $1.2 billion. Most long-term airport leases of this nature would be for 40 to 50 years. Many of the world's best airports are already managed by private companies under similar arrangements, including London's Heathrow and Gatwick, Athens, Lima, Copenhagen, Paris, Rome, and Sydney, said Robert Poole, author of the report and director of transportation at Reason Foundation. The long-term lease would be a public-private partnership that would completely protect Hawaii's taxpayers and air travelers by setting specific customer service and performance benchmarks that must be met by the private partner. It would also lay out specific maintenance, upgrades, and other investments the company would have to make throughout the lease. In July 2021, an unsolicited $17 billion offer to buy Sydney International Airport, Australia's largest airport, was made by a group of infrastructure investors. Despite the airport's traffic still being a fraction of its pre-COVID-19 levels, the offer was 26 times the standard multiple of Sydney's pre-pandemic cash flow. The Reason Foundation study used a 20 times multiple in its high value calculations for U.S. airports like Honolulu and Kahului. The news from Australia suggests that infrastructure investors value airports for their long-term prospects, and Hawaii could likely get the high-end values estimated in the Reason study, or perhaps even more. The Reason Foundation study analyzed 31 large and medium U.S. airports, finding that Los Angeles International could be worth $17.8 billion, San Francisco International and Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport could each be worth more than $11 billion, and Chicago O'Hare International Airport could be worth more than $10 billion.